0: Hi, my name is Tanja Christensen, and I've been coming to True Grace since January of 2023. So I've always been involved with the church as a young person, Um, met my husband, and we ended up going to church together, which was really awesome. Um, We got baptized together and maintained our relationship with the young marrieds in our church and then we had children. Divorce came due to other circumstances. And that's when I started to question things. Is God really with me? Why am I having a divorce? Why are we going through these struggles? I had a season in my life where several people within a year's period had passed away. I lost a fiance, I lost my mother, lost three very close friends to the family. God was with me through it all. He took care of me. He supported me. He got me the right support from others to make it through that hard season in my life. I connected with friends again. Um, I met my current husband, Brian. That seemed to be a turn in my life. April of 2021, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. And my whole life changed at that point. It's COVID. I'm all alone. I have to do this. Of course, my husband's very supportive, but it was like he couldn't go to the hospital with me. He couldn't go to my surgeries. And I'm like, I'm not alone. I really am not alone. The Lord is with me through this whole thing. And it was a real changing point in my life. And so I had a couple surgeries. Went through chemo for about 10 months. We made it through that. It was, it was a bit rough, but you just talk to the Lord every day. He's with me constantly. I just kind of have open communication, just like he's a friend, because he is. And so I've been free of cancer so far. Um, all my tests, all my lab work. I still have to visit the doctor every four months. I am suffering from side effects from chemo. I'm going to push through it. And like I've said, I'm not alone. The Lord is with me always. Be faithful. Know that He's guiding your life. And if things happen to go awry, the ending is not the ending. I wanna help other people who are struggling with medical issues and need support. The Lord is there. He's always with you. Be faithful, and he will take care of you.
1: Thank you, Tanja. The Lord is with you even in divorce. The Lord is with you even when people you love die. And the Lord is with you even when you're battling cancer. And that's what Christmas is all about, God with us. He is with us. And listen, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's going to be a lot of hardships in in the future of life. You know, death kind of comes, and our bodies wear out, and uh, things happen that we never thought would be part of our story. And you and I can't control all of those things. Are you aware of that? There's a lot of things outside of your control. You control what you can. right? You make as wise decisions as you can. But here's what you know. You know that God is with you whatever is coming. And one thing I've just decided, I'm going to walk closely by his side regardless of the trials that are in my future. And honestly, that makes the future a little bit better to face, knowing that God is going to be with you in those trials. So... Uh, Tonja, thanks for sharing your story with all of us. If you uh, uh, are on the church's mailing list, and if you didn't get this uh, Christmas card that we sent out, I want to encourage you to get that, because we decided on a theme this year would be awkward family photos. That was the theme of this year's Christmas card. We don't normally wear uh, sweater, turtlenecks, and I don't normally wear those glasses. And so we took some pictures and sent out, don't you love Pastor Dave like here, right here? And... uh, (laughs) Just kind of had something funny. That was, that was the front of the card. If you didn't know this was an awkward family photo, I'm kind of offended and I'm worried about your uh, social <laughs> esteem. But then on the back of that Merry Christmas card, it said, may all your family photos be Awkward. And this one is pretty hysterical. If you don't know, in the 80s, there was some really awkward family photos. There was a lot of men behind their pregnant wife doing things like this. And there was weird cat pictures. And we have one where my dad's face is somewhat, for some reason, up in the sky, staring down at the family as if he was like God, you know. I don't know how all those things happen. So we thought, you know, awkward family photos, kind of a thing. Let's spoof it. And I thought Pastor Dave's face on the front was so fun that I just went ahead and brought that back up. Because I think that's, that somebody's got to make a meme of this. Uh, people have made a meme of my face. But this, I just want to say, like, Pastor Dave, are the 49ers actually better than the Seahawks this year? Well, I guess so, maybe. You know, I just thought uh, you got to find something. So, so have some fun in life and uh, make sure you keep laughing. Uh, if you didn't get that card, would you make sure that we have your address correct? Um, there's a card in front of you. It's a connect card. You can put your email and your snail mail, all that information, and we'll get it into our system. And I promise we won't sell it to Amazon. All right? Cool. <laughs> Um, we have Christmas services coming up two weeks from today. They're actually 13 days from now on the Saturday, the 23rd. Uh, if you can put that slide back up, that'll help me out. So we have two services on Saturday afternoon and evening, um, and then we have two on Sunday morning, which are our normal service time, so that kind of makes it easy. But if you'll throw that slide up there. So we have Saturday at 4 o'clock. It'll end about 5 something, so it'll be dark out uh, for those of you that like to kind of exit church, maybe go look at lights or something like that. And then the 5.30 service, they're about uh, 60, 65-minute gatherings. And then again on Sunday morning, we're going to do our normal service times now last year what we had is we thought you know we pulled the audience the audience we pulled the church (laughs) I'm the one that tells everybody don't ever call it a stage this is not a performance this is a platform right there's not an audience but we pulled the crowd and we said um hey um what service do you think you're going to come to and we had it pretty much you know nailed out pretty good we thought we'd fit all right in all the gatherings I think we might have only had three and then we had a massive ice storm and so the people that came to the first service was like 100, and then we had 500 people trying to fit into a room that holds, you know, about 390, uh, and it was really crazy. So it helps us to kind of, you know, figure this out. If we do have an ice storm or something like that, make sure you go to the website and Instagram, but uh, just help me out here. If you kind of had an idea, those two gatherings on Saturday, if you're an evening person, how many would come at the 4 o'clock on Saturday? If you could raise your hand and help us out here, go ahead, and raise it high, even if you just kind of think so. You don't have to, this is not for sure, okay? Okay, great. How about 530 on Saturday? How many would come to that one? Okay, maybe about the same, a little bit less. How about Sunday morning at 9.30? Kind of makes sense with this crowd, okay. And then uh, Sunday morning at 11.15, how many would come to that one? Okay, so that kind of gives us an idea. So thank you in that, all right. Awesome. Wow. Well, we're in this series called Wonder, and that is our December Christmas series, the word wonder. I think it's a great word. And so um, we're going to walk through the Christmas story in this concept of wonder this month. Now, some of you right now, you're in your wonder years right? You wonder where your phone is. You wonder where your keys are. You exit the store, wonder where you parked your car. Some of you have even walked into another room this week and thought, why did I even come in here for? Like, what am I here? Uh, you already get the concept of wonder. The word wonder means this, a cause for astonishment, admiration, or to marvel at something. And I've got to tell you, the story of, of the birth of Christ is astonishing, It's crazy. It's marvelous. How in the world I still marvel at it. I still wonder at the greatness of God. And I don't ever want to lose my wonder. I don't want to ever lose my curiosity of asking God questions, even the questions that I'm not going to know until I get to heaven. And there's a lot of those. I'm still wondering. I'm still marveling at God. Christmas is God showing humanity that he's not through with us. That he's greater than uh, his love for us is even greater than we understand. So great that the Son of God would become temporarily mortal, human, that Jesus would live on the earth, that he would die the only death that could satisfy both love and justice, truth and grace. Only the death of the sinless Son of God could fully pay for the magnitude of sin in us. Jesus paid the price for us. So I believe in Jesus. I believe in heaven. I don't believe he was just a good teacher. If you believe that, that's fine, but we're not going to be in agreement with that. I believe that his uh, love for broken, fallen, sinful humans is unwarranted and unmerited. He is the living God. And if he really loves us enough to take on flesh and be crucified for our sins, then there is no way in hell. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean that seriously. There is no way in hell that I'm going to reject his grace and forgiveness in my life. When my life is over and I stand before God, that word grace is going to finally make sense. I've been studying it my whole life, trying to comprehend the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. And I'm not sure humans can fully understand it, but someday I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to realize the grace of God. And that's why I'm standing there because of what Jesus did for me, not because of my perfect life, because it's been far from it. Wow. Listen, the reality is this the pain of life can crush your wonder, it can crush your faith. Don't let it, don't let the pain of your life crush your faith. Keep your faith no matter what. I'm still grasping uh, at the, uh, fully understanding the scriptures and and, uh, all of the ways that God loves us. Some of those scriptures were written hundreds or even thousands of years before Jesus fulfilled them as the Messiah. Um, There's uh, actually like 300 prophecies made about the Messiah in the Old Testament alone. That the Messiah would be from the line of David, be born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. That he would be a Washington Huskies fan. That he would be... uh, no, that was not in there. That he would be humbled in order to save mankind. That he would have a ministry of miracles. That he would draw Gentiles or all people to himself. It's incredible. All these prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus, and yet some people still will look and not receive him or accept him. Uh, it's kind of like a puzzle when you look at the Old Testament, and, and Jesus spoke in parables. He wanted there to be enough reason that it was reasonable to believe in Him, but He wanted to make sure that there was still faith. That faith is a component of your heart that you still choose to believe, uh, not because everything is so obvious and easy to see. And in the Old Testament, it's interesting all those prophecies. So for me, um, I like puzzles. Anybody like puzzles? So I have a puzzle here, and here's something that I've learned about myself in the last couple of years. Like puzzles are great. But I have found that 1,000-piece puzzles are just too much for me to handle. <laughs> I do not have the patience. I do not have the bandwidth. Some of you guys do those on a regular basis. It's easy for you. Like, that's really hard for me. And, and I kind of realized, you know, God, those 100-piece those puzzles or those 24-piece puzzles I've been doing, they're, they're a little young for me, God. They're, <laughs> they're, they're over too quickly. And so I kind of found my wheelhouse in 300-piece puzzles. Not 500, they're, they're out there. Not 400, but 300 just works for me. And it really works well with me if I'm sitting there with my wife or one of my kids doing the puzzle and we can kind of knock that out. We can put on some 90s country music and we can do that puzzle in like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes and laugh and talk. And it's an enjoyable experience in my life. I've kind of found my, my niche in that. Here's the reality. If you were to take this puzzle apart and you were just pick one piece and you would say, hey, tell me what the picture looks like. You wouldn't really be able to do it. And if you pulled out 10 pieces or 20 pieces and you said, what does the end result look like? You wouldn't be able to do that. And so sometimes we only know in part. But if you add up 300 prophecies that are fulfilled in Jesus, the picture starts to become clear. Who Jesus is and what he came for. And so I hope that you will be on that journey to discovering who he really is in your life. A major part of the Christmas story is angels, and we're going to talk today a little bit about angels. And man, I have a, a lot of thoughts about angels. I know some things about angels. You know some things about angels. But I can tell you this. There's a whole lot more about angels that we don't know than what we do know. Because what is in the unseen world is kind of hard for us to figure out. We're not putting angels on my, under microscopes. I don't have the, Gabriel's DNA somewhere, Right? <laughs> Like, we, we have a lot more questions than we have answers. I know this in Matthew chapter 4, it says this, the devil, after tempting Jesus, uh, the devil, and Jesus has been, like, like, fasting for 40 days. Some of you, if you fasted for two days and the devil tempted you, you'd be just out, right? <laughs> Especially during Christmas. But the devil, Jesus has fasted for 40 days. The devil comes and tempts him in, in, in several ways. And it just says the devil went away, and it says the angels came and took care of Jesus. And I think that's beautiful that the Son of God confined himself to a human body and went through the torment and the struggles. I mean, just being God in a human body, that sounds kind of horrible enough to me. And through the trials and the temptations that he went through, and when the devil finally left him. By the way, Luke says when the devil left him, uh, he left him till another opportune time. Now, every time I read that in the Bible, I go, the devil knows good opportune times to tempt you. So if you're angry, discouraged, frustrated, whatever, someone's betrayed you, you got to know I am prime for the devil to come and tempt me right now because I'm ready to go off on somebody, right? And so um, at any rate, the angels attended to Jesus. Uh, It seems uh, the clearest understanding of Lucifer is that he was the morning star in heaven. He did take a third of the angels uh, when he rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven. I believe the devil and his demons hurt you in order to inflict pain on God. I'm not so sure that you and I are so important to the devil and his dark angels or demons, but I think that he really would like to inflict pain on God. I believe that when the church prays, spiritual battles are won, often through angels. Um, There's nothing in the Bible that says that when we die, we become angels. Um, Help me with this. When people go around saying, well, you know... Uh, Grandma died, I guess heaven needed another angel. (laughs) Maybe just say, you know what, maybe God just loves your grandma, and maybe like she, through the natural course of her life, died, right? Uh, It's not necessarily that God needed another angel in heaven. Uh, The sight of angels made men fall to their knees in fear, seeing God in all of his glory, in his sheer holiness, in his unlimited power, like not hidden from us at all. I think we too will fall to our knees one day. And the Bible actually says that the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. My theory, I may or may not be right, is when I first see God in all of his glory that I will fall to my knees and I will repeat what the angels have been saying for years. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So the word angel or angelos means a messenger to deliver a message. Um, a messenger. A messenger. Um, listen, when you want to get a message out there, you, you send a text message or an email or maybe even use snail mail. And then people can sometimes say, well, I never got your message. You, know, you ever get that? And you're a little suspicious. Are you sure you didn't get that message? <laughs> like if you send an archangel, there's nobody saying, well, I didn't get the message. I don't remember that. <laughs> if Gabriel shows up, you know, you're going to know it. Angels are mentioned over 300 times in the scripture. They are created beings who are messengers. I love this one. Warriors and worshipers around the throne of God. They also minister to others, and they're also protectors. So let me give you a few points here this morning as we talk about the wonder of God's messengers and warriors. Here's the first one. It says angels aren't soft. And what I mean by that is angels are not wimps. Uh, angels are not fat little chubby babies like laying on clouds, stroking on harps, you know, all day long. Every time I see that that representation, I think, who came up with this? Uh, this idea of a cherub being a fat little baby uh, like this. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter, like, strikes the soldier that came to arrest him and, like, cuts off his ear, and the mob comes to get Jesus, and there's actually religious, like, like the the temple guards that come to get Jesus. And Jesus says this when he's arrested. Jesus said, listen, Peter, I could call down more than 12 uh, legions of angels if I wanted to. Peter, what are you doing with your sword? I could call down 72,000 angels right now if I needed to. But this is part of the plan. I came to give my life. Put away your sword. Evidently, there's a lot of angels out there. There seems to be a rank of angels as well. There's archangels, there's cherubim and seraphim, uh, which means burning ones. And the Bible actually says this, the angels were placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden with flaming swords so that uh, man could not eat of the tree of life. Go ahead and put uh, Genesis 3 up there if you will. After sending them out of the garden, uh, this is the, the, when Adam and Eve fell, God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. I don't think it's just a sword. I think that sword is in the hand of a warrior angel. So an angel is not a fat little chubby baby. An angel probably looks a little bit more like that. Like If you got a chubby ba- like little angel following you around protecting you, this is who's protecting me. Okay, I, I choose that one, all right? <laughs> i'm drafting him in the first round of the draft because he looks like he could take care of me the reason why angels always said fear not is because they were powerful they overwhelmed humans when humans saw them often they had to say fear not and the bible says the angels are involved in spiritual warfare if you actually read uh, Daniel chapter 10, it's a very fascinating passage that, that Daniel has a, a vision of a messenger, an angel coming to visit him. And the, the angel came to, to Daniel's to answer Daniel's prayer. And the angel says that he, he was trying to come, but a spirit called the Prince of Persia blocked him that an evil spirit was blocking him from coming. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to battle that same spirit, that prince of Persia, in a spiritual battle that went on for years. So we don't fully know, but it seems there's geographical responsibilities of both good angels and, of course, uh, demons, fallen angels. Remember this, that unseen does not mean unreal. This is why the Apostle Paul tried to drill this into us. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Just think of somebody right now. You don't have any enemies, right? (laughs) We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. If you didn't believe in angels and demons, then Jesus clearly, you don't believe in what Jesus said, and you certainly don't believe in what the Apostle Paul taught the church, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There was one time in my life we were working with a person who was demonized to the point of losing some control over to that spirit. And I will never forget ministering to that person and the darting eyes and the intensity and the cursing and the swearing coming out of this person who was demonized to that degree suddenly looked above the heads of all of us that were working to help deliver that person and absolutely freaked out. And we looked at each other and we looked behind us. We didn't see an angel. We didn't see a warrior. But that spirit saw something, and I remember it to this day. There is an unseen world around us, and maybe you do or don't believe in that, but I will never go back to not believing that after what I've seen. So angels are not soft. Angels are warriors. And I hope that we give them their due. Number two is this. You might not know an angel, but they know you. In the scripture, they're often uh, sometimes in dazzling white clothing. Uh, they can appear to be humans, which when the women went to the tomb, and there was two men uh, there at the tomb. Um, this is what the Bible says, For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go, Psalm 91. That's kind of cool. And somebody asked the question, do we all really have a guardian angel? And maybe there's different beliefs in this room, and that's fine. We have different beliefs on things that we can't fully finally say. But I'd like to think that we do. In fact, I've seen the way that some of you drive, and I'm fairly certain you still would, you wouldn't be alive if you didn't have a guardian angel. <laughs> Me, myself, I'm on my third guardian angel. The first two quit, and they're in therapy right now. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that my son's guardian angel is trying to transfer to protect the president, because that's probably an easier job than uh, working over my son and all the prayers of his mother and father for him in his life, Right. Uh, All God has to do to make you a prayer warrior is to give you kids. (laughs) And you'll keep their angels busy, right? (laughs) So is it possible that angels have protected you and you didn't even realize it? Think about that. I wonder if there's some tragedies, trials, protections that happen in our life, maybe even this week, and we are not aware of what's happening. Hebrews chapter 13 takes it a step further. It says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Whoa, that's like a whole nother level. Don't forget to show hospitality that you've actually entertained an angel and you didn't even know it. Wow, that's in the Bible. So if an angel knows you and they are created beings, imagine how well the God of the universe knows you. Angels can't be every place at one time, but God can. He can be at all places at one time. He knows you. He understands you. If angels know you and know what to say to you, God really knows you. I don't want to look at angels and go, wow, they're so incredible. I just want to study that and get excited about that. i want to go, if angels are that great, then I want to get excited about the living God. Oh, I'm not, I'm not like you know, down here on angels and demons and even Lucifer who's an angel. I'm up here like how amazing is the king of kings, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world. If his messengers are this powerful, whoa, he is the living God. The angels even knew uh, lonely shepherds in a field. They didn't just know Herod. They didn't just know Mary and Joseph or they knew the shepherds out there in the field. The Bible says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glow, glory uh, surrounded them, and they were they were terrified. How many think that if you saw an angel, you would not be terrified? Some of you are like, oh, I've seen a lot of things in my life, Pastor Peter. I think I can handle it. It's interesting that some people seem to be more terrified than others. Uh, it seems like a lot of men hit the deck, maybe wet themselves a little bit and that Mary, the teenage mother of God, kind of handles it pretty well. <laughs> um, maybe that's just the blessing of God in her life. The angel, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Verse 13, Suddenly the angel was uh, joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in, in the highest heaven and peace on earth to whom those who God whom God is pleased. This choir, this chorus of angels, this vast host of angels appears. Uh, Sometimes people say, oh, she's so great. She sings like an angel. I'm pretty sure none of you sings like a real angel. (laughs) Whitney Houston might be close. But the rest of us, like, what is it? What a choir of angels like? The birth of Christ was such a big deal that a vast host or an army of angels announced it. Look, there, there are angels throughout the scriptures. But the birth of Christ, there is like visitation, 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 visitation. Right, Joseph himself has several uh, in dreams. Shepherds were terrified. But this is so cool. Once they heard that the Savior had been born, they got up off the ground. They looked at each other. They didn't marvel at the angels. Their attention shifted from the powerful warrior messengers to the soon-to-be-born Son of God. Let's keep our focus on Jesus. Not on spirituality in general, but on the Savior who the angels came to announce. Don't get hung up on the angels. Look to Jesus in your life. Now, it's interesting in the, in the story, the Christmas story, the angel comes to Mary. We talked about that last week. And Mary asked this, this angel this question, how can this be? How can I give birth to the Son of God since I'm a virgin? She asked a very sincere question. Mary believed what the angel said and asked a question of clarification. But just before that, in Luke chapter 1, remember there's also a guy named Zechariah, and he asked an angel a question too. And maybe you know the story that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were up in years, very old. He's a priest. He goes in to offer, you know, the sacrifices and and the incense and everything the priest did. And he sees an angel in there. No one else sees it but him. And he has a radical experience. While in the sanctuary, uh, the angel of the Lord speaks to him. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because he was, this is what it says, he was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, God has heard your prayer, your wife Elizabeth will give give you a son, and you are to name him John, right? John the Baptist, this is part of the Christmas story. That God is preparing the way, and he's sending this prophet John, John the Baptist, to prepare the way. And he says, you will have great joy and gladness, and many people will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord, Zechariah. And this is a powerful moment. Verse 17, he will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and he will cause uh, uh, those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. An angel is telling Zechariah, you are going to you and your wife are going to have a child and he's going to be this predecessor to the like he is a powerful man. This child that you were going to have. And this old man is looking at the angel. And he's shaken and overwhelmed at first, but then this is what comes out of his mouth. Zachariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I mean, I'm an old man now, and my wife, well, she's no spring chicken either, right? And it seems that his question is not done with the same level of belief and acceptance of God's plan like Mary. Mary says, whatever the Lord's plan is for me, I'll walk in it. May maybe what you've said come true. Zacharias seems to have a level of disbelief. And maybe we can identify with that. Come on, like, listen, my wife and I are really old. I mean, you might have you hit the wrong sanctuary, you know, on your visit. And then the angel says this, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring this good news. And if you know the story, and now because you did not believe, you will not be able to speak until the child comes. Man, do not tick off an angel (laughs) with your disbelief. Here's point number three. Angels uh, have been in the very presence of God. And what you and I wonder about, they already know. Gabriel says, I know God. I'm in his presence. I've seen him in his glory. I know the creator of the universe. I work for him. Like, I'm tight with him. I'm his number one messenger. How in the world could you possibly question him? I've told you what I was sent to tell you. And you're not just questioning me. You're questioning the one who sent me. The angel said to Mary, for nothing is impossible with God. And Gabriel knows that nothing's impossible with God. Because he's seen God up close. I live in his presence. Trust me, there's nothing he cannot do. Jesus had said at one point, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. And I've always marveled at that. Like, we we tend in our society to go, I believe. It's not work. I choose to believe. I make mental assent that there is a God. That's really easy. But that's about this deep of an understanding of the word believe. Because the word believe actually means this, to put your weight upon. To step out and trust that something or someone can catch you or hold you. To put your faith in. When you get on an airplane, do you have faith? Do you believe that airplane can get you where you need to go? This week, uh, my son and I were uh, out on a ladder on the second story of the roof. A little sketchy for a while there. Do you believe that that ladder has the ability to hold you? And perhaps the, the best understanding was when my kids were little. And I remember teaching on belief, and, and my kids were like, you know, four and six or something like that. And if we were at the beach and we were playing and they found some sticks or some, some branches, and imagine they had some twine or some rope, and they began to, you know, bind those together. Pretty soon they made, you know, this little raft. And if my kids came up to me and they said, Dad, do you like our raft? I'm like, that is incredible, you guys. At your age, to like tie those sticks together, that is amazing. Uh, yeah, that's a really cool rap. Dad. Do you really do you really like it? Do you think? Yeah, I, I yeah I think it could work, Dad. Would you get on it? <laughs> See, do you really believe that that wrath can hold you? Do you really believe that Jesus is with you, that He really came for you, He really died for you? Because if so, you step out in faith and said. Of all things in this world that can hold me up more than myself is God. He is capable of holding me. My faith I'll put in him. I believe in him. I want to challenge you not to give mental assent to God. Because sometimes that doesn't change the way you live. But to actually live for God. Believe in God and to really believe means that you actually step out in faith and you live for him and you walk with him in your life every day. Brandon Manning said these famous words. He said, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and they walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. And he said, That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. We don't need any more Christian atheists who give mental assent to God. But don't actually live for God. So don't say, yeah, the raft's great, but get on board and let God take you where He wants you to go. Would you bow your heads to me for a moment? As you close up this time, it's not about angels, it's about the one who sends angels. It's not about warriors and messengers. It's about the one who created those warriors and messengers. It's not about your holiness because you're not. It's not about your perfection or your self-righteousness. It's about God's righteousness in you. Today, as we close in prayer, this Christmas, I'd like to pray especially for some of us here today. And say, you know, it's easy for me to believe in God, but it's really hard for me to fully follow him. And dad came to Jesus one time and he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Today, not just mental ascent. Let's make a decision and let's follow through on it. And let's step out in faith and try to really fully live for Jesus. It's a whole different lifestyle than just saying, I believe. If you're here today and you want to be included in this prayer, God, I believe in you, but I want to serve you and live for you and fully follow after you and all the risk and all the faith that that entails. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I kind of halfway sort of followed. I want to be a follower. That you, would you raise your hand really high? I want to pray for you. I believe, that I want to really follow and live and serve God with my life. Anybody else? Okay, you can put it down. Let's pray. Lord, the scripture says that you believe. That's great. Even the demons believe and shudder. Lord, we need to do more than just believe that you are real. We need to live our lives accordingly. Jesus, you came to transform us. Not from people who are to live as people who are me first or chasing after things, trying to fulfill their flesh or their need for pleasure or enjoyment. But God, help us to live at a higher level. Help us to understand that we are loved just the way we are. We are created You have a purpose for our lives, and we don't want to miss it. God, you know it's easy to say I believe, but it's so hard to live for you every day. God, give us the strength and in your power the ability to make choices and to live a lifestyle that honors you. In spite of being human, we want to honor you with our lives. And Jesus, we can't do this on our own. We need you in order to live for you. So, Lord, thanks. For being Emmanuel, because none of us is alone. God is with us in divorce, in death, in suffering, in cancer, in broken relationships. But we can become and we can live the life we were called to live because you are with us. Lord, forgive us of our sins. And lead us to the life we were always meant to have. Thank you for your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you are here and you could be a lunch buddy to a kid, I'm not promising rectangular pizza, all right? But if you can invest in a kid who might need a friend, would you stop by the table in the lobby? And if you want to give towards that intern house, I encourage you to do so. The offering container's in the back, all right? God bless you. Don't miss next week. Merry
0: Christmas.